The Yankees had not one, but two miraculous comebacks as they won a game that they absolutely needed in the worst way. Can this momentum carry them through the weekend versus Toronto? I'll have all the latest with the pennant races in baseball. Aaron Rodgers is back in the news again. I'll put to rest what's going on in Green Bay. No shocker as to who the preseason number one team is in college football. The NBA schedule is released as I'll go through what Christmas Day will have in store, but will anyone watch? Giannis said, what about playing in Chicago? Another big payday for LeBron James. And Tiger Woods rallies the troops to bond with his brethren to support the PGA. Tired of the same regurgitated narratives? You won't have to worry about that here as you've come to the right place to listen to some fresher takes on what's happening in the world of sports. It's all coming up, but first, this message. What has happened to my good people? Thank you so much for passing by to listen to me wax poetic as I talk about anything and everything that's happening in the world of sports. If you haven't done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm on all available platforms. You can also go to the website at www.jreels.com for more information about yours truly, the podcast, archive shows, etc. All I want to do is increase the visibility of this podcast, so please throw me a few stars, write a review. It will go a long way into getting the word out. Even take a screenshot, send it to your friends, send it to me on social media. I'm more than happy, willing, able, and open to get your feedback on what it is that you enjoy most about the J Reels podcast. So with that being said, let's hit it. The J Reels podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December. But what really counts is let me see this in January. The Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it. He is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J-Rules Podcast. Welcome aboard. What has happened to my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Hope everybody's well, feeling fantastic, in excellent spirits, getting a little deeper into the month as we inch closer to September and out of the Sports Dead Zone Part 2. But there are a few things percolating as I share my thoughts, opinions, and analysis on all that's going on as this is the J Reels Podcast with your host, J Reels. For my first-timers, welcome aboard. And for those who have been banging with me going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle, or even as early as this past Monday, I welcome you guys and gals back. I have a few things cooking for you today. I'll get into the NFL with Aaron Rodgers, and I'm just sick and tired of hearing about him. I get it. He's an MVP winner four times, I believe, in the NFL, but it seems like every story that comes out of the National Football League has to do with Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, can he win a Super Bowl, now it's the receivers dropping balls, mistimed routes, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to put the rest once and for all about these damn regurgitated narratives when it comes to he in particular, as well as some other things that I'll get into in regards to the NFL. Also, he had a big signing there. If you're Derwin James, the safety who got his big payday and the richest in the history of the league. I'll touch on that as well as what's going on in the NBA as we have the schedule for 2022 and 23 has been released We'll go through the Christmas Day games, which obviously a lot of people look forward to on that day. But here's the sad part. Will anyone watch? I'll explain later on as far as that goes. And I'll also get into Tiger Woods as he made a trip to Wilmington, Delaware and rallied the troops among 20 to 25 players to kind of get everybody in the room, get everybody, I don't want to say on the same page because you figure that a lot of these players that were in this meeting to pretty much show the integrity, to show the history, and to show why that these players are a part of the PGA Tour. Now, there is one player that did show up that may make the jump to the Live Tour, so I'll get into that as well. But as we begin, baseball is going to be at the very top, as we've discussed pretty much over the last month, even six weeks for that matter. And if you're a Yankee fan this morning, you wake up and you feel a little bit better about your team. Or do you? I would think that there's a bit of a sigh of relief based on the events of what happened last night at Yankee Stadium. And mind you, 
when we last spoke on Monday and the Yankees were coming off of a 3-0 shutout to the Red Sox to where Monday night they got shut out again first time in six years that they've had back-to-back shutouts to the Tampa Bay Rays and then the following night they scored one run in a 3-1 loss and then last night you get to the bottom of the sixth inning where the Rays were up 4-0 and you're probably thinking that will the Yankees ever score another run from now until October because up until that point between the start of the Red Sox game Sunday night to the bottom of the sixth last night they had one run in 32 innings and I'm sure you're probably looking at this saying to yourself, there's no way. They're going to get shut out again. They're not going to bounce back. They're going to be in probably one of the biggest funks that you could say in the history of the franchise. I mean, we're talking about Bronx Bombers, Murderers Row, going back to the 20s, all the offensive firepower that they've had throughout the years. And yes, even though I mentioned in 2016 that they had a scenario where they were shut out in back-to-back games, which you probably couldn't even remember what happened that year. And if you recall, that was the last time that the Yankees did not make it to the postseason. That was the whole quote unquote baby bombers before Aaron Judge came up. That was the Gary Sanchez led where he hit 20 home runs in like 50 games. But now you had a scenario where bottom of the sixth, if the Yankees didn't score two runs in which they did last night, you had to think to yourself that they were going to go meekly into the night, lose another game, get swept in the series, and then they have Toronto coming in who has not played well either. But considering that they're in a fight for the AL wild card, you know that they're going to play as tough and be as feisty as they possibly can be considering that the Yankees are a dead team walking offensively. But then they snap out of it. They did get those two runs, bottom of the sixth. They also got a run in the bottom of the seventh. They tie the game on a home run by Anthony Rizzo. And as we go into extra innings, and when the Rays go up on a bases-clearing double to make it 7-4, to four, I'm sure people were filing out of the ballpark saying, well, we had one comeback. I don't think we have another in store. Sure enough, they get the bases loaded, and then Josh Donaldson pokes one over the right field wall. The minute it went off the bat, you knew it was gone because that right field, as I've said a zillion times, is a joke in Yankee Stadium. And what happened? Not only were they down 4 nothing and 7-4, to they came back twice to win 8-7 in 10 innings. And there was a relief. There was a bit of joy to paraphrase what Josh Donaldson said in the postgame. And who knows, could this be the springboard for a Yankee renaissance here that over the last month or so, They've been in a stretch where I believe their record off the top of my head, and we talked about this last week, at one point they were 9-16, and 16, but if I did the math, their record is somewhere in the vicinity of 11-21. and 21. They've been that bad here over the last month that pretty much spoiled the first three and a half months of the season. And I talked about this on Monday, how everybody was comparing, even to a certain extent, yours truly, but I had to see the rest of this regular season and how October played out to the 98 Yankees. And boy, was that blasphemous to even think that this 2022 team was anywhere close to being on the level that the 98 Yankees were. So with the Yankees getting that win, which was much needed in the worst way, they needed that win like people need oxygen. And now that they have the Blue Jays coming in for four games, and as I mentioned, the Blue Jays have not really played well here. They did salvage a game against Baltimore, over the last three days. And now let's see if they come into the stadium to try to wreak some havoc. They've actually played pretty well at the stadium. Not necessarily this year. They've had their moments though in the past. So they're not a team that although they're young. They're not going to be distracted by the bright lights. And now with maybe some momentum pumped into the team. And maybe into the building this weekend. I don't think the Blue Jays are going to blink. Or even flinch for that matter. But. They've also been struggling. They have not played well. So we'll see how this fares over the course of the next four days to see if this could be, like I said, a catalyst for the Yankees to now maybe to not only start going on a winning streak, but maybe to start putting some runs on the board. And going into next week where they have a Subway Series battle Monday and Tuesday, and we'll talk about that on Monday, where the Mets invade the Bronx. But you do have to feel good. I understand it's only one game. You can't get crazy because as much as you enjoy that comeback, as much as it was something that came out of the blue, 
But you do have to feel good, and I'm sure the locker room is going to be a little bit of a buzz heading into the game tonight. So we shall see if the Yankees will be able to piggyback off of that win to get themselves back on the beam. They're finding the division as we know. They are nine in the loss and ten games ahead. So they had so much of a cushion that if they had a seven or eight game lead at the start of this malaise that they've been going through, then you may wonder, oh geez, they probably would either had this lead shrunk to about two, three, or who knows, maybe Toronto or Tampa, I won't say Baltimore, but one of those two teams may have, could have evened up against the Yankees in the ALE standings. But that's not going to be the case as we know. It's pretty much going to be smooth sailing, even if they continue to stub their toes between now and the end of September. But let's see how the Yankees will respond from this. And obviously I'll talk about this more on Monday to see if this had any lasting effect or do they just go right back in the tank considering that if it wasn't for the Tampa Bay Ray bullpen and them pretty much handing the game to the Yankees there in the bottom of the 10th, we will see how this all shakes down here over the course of the next four days. So that's number one. The other thing is the Mets. I talked about them briefly on my TikTok feed yesterday if you hadn't seen. But the Mets had lost those two games on Monday and Tuesday to the Atlanta Braves. And going into the game last night, I thought to myself, watch this be payback for what we saw at City Field 10, 11 days ago. Because the Mets, other than the Friday night game at City Field where Taiwan Walker left after two innings and they lost that game, I believe it was 9-6, but they won the other four games in dominant fashion. And then here are the Braves winning games one and two, 13-1 on Monday night, and then 5-0 on Tuesday. Even with Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom both on deck, I thought to myself, maybe this is an opportunity for the Braves to now put the hammer down on the Mets to put a little bit of pressure in the division. Scherzer, who's pitched phenomenally since he's been back, but he's due to have a bad game. The Braves did see him about a week and a half ago. Not to say that he was going to get let up, but Scherzer could have those moments as we saw in the game against the Philadelphia Phillies last week to where he gave up nine hits and about seven innings worth of work. So it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that Scherzer, for him, could put up a stinker and the Braves were going to win the first three games of the series where it would all fall on Jacob deGrom in his performance tonight. Well, we didn't have to worry about that right out of the gate because the Mets scored four runs in the first few innings, highlighted by, in his very first at-bat, a two-run homer by Brett Beatty, who was brought up from AAA with the injuries to Luis Guillorme, Tomas Nito, I know he's a catcher, but pretty much filling in for Guillorme as well as Eduardo Escobar. And all Beatty did in his first swing in the major leagues hit a home run over the right field wall. 4-0, there was a rain delay. And then Scherzer had a gut out of game to where he walked three, gave up three runs. Now, I will say this. I did not watch the game. I did not watch any baseball last night because I was at MetLife Stadium. No, not watching a football game. But I attended the Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. So, of course, I can't be on my phone. Yes, I did peek here and there before the concert started and then, of course, afterwards. But anywhere in the middle, there was no way that I could even be interfered. I wanted to be present with the wife, who's a huge Chili Peppers fan. So, it was a beautiful evening. Not only that, weather-wise, but not only that, the concert was just off the chain. Those guys are, as I'm sure you all know, for those who do follow or are big fans of the Chili Peppers, they put on... An excellent show. And as I hear construction outside my window. So if you do hear that, my apologies. So not being fully in tune to the game. But when I got in the car, I saw that the score was 6-5. to five, And even with Scherzer out of the game. And in the ninth inning, Alonzo gets that big hit to make it 8-5. to five, And at that point, I turned it off. I didn't want to get my wife riled up for me getting into sports talk mode after we just experienced the Chili Peppers coming out of the building and of course getting into the car waiting to get out of the lot there at MetLife. So by the time I got home, I saw the final score 9-7. I see that I saw that Edwin Diaz pitched in the eighth inning, which he much I saw that Edwin Diaz pitched in the eighth inning, which means that he must have pitched to the heart of the order, which Buck has done on a couple of occasions this year. 
But as we saw, Trevor May made it interesting there in the ninth by giving up a couple of runs. And I'm sure, I don't know what the scenario was, whether the winning run was at the plate or tying run was at the plate. But nevertheless, the Mets do come out of that game with a victory. And now let's see what Jacob deGrom does tonight so that they could even the series, no harm, no foul. They would leave Atlanta if they do with a victory tonight with the five and a half game lead that they had going into the series on Monday. So let's hope and pray, Met fans, that the Braves do not get two games over the course of this four where we could draw even and then go to Philadelphia over the weekend to play four games. And with that being said, Noah Syndergaard, I don't know what is going on between his ears, but if you are him, at some point you're going to have to face the music. He's not going to admit that he does not want to pitch against the Mets, maybe because he's fearful of getting smacked around the ballpark and getting shelled. I don't know. Maybe there's something to that. We saw that happen in Anaheim earlier this year when the Mets played in Anaheim and he was scheduled to, I believe, pitch that Saturday start and he did not. I know there were rumblings about him backing out of that start to say whatever injury or whatever it was that he decided to forego that start. But you can't fool us a second time around because with a four-game set and the Phillies need these games in the worst way, not necessarily for the division, but for the wild card. And I don't even know what his excuse is this time around. I did read a report that he's going to skip his start and I didn't even bother to go into that story because I just thought, ah, look at this. Here he is playing chicken, backing out of his start, and that is just bad business. And I'm sure if you're a Philly fan... You may get away with that in Anaheim, but you're not going to get away with that in Philadelphia. So I'm sure that's not going to go well with the Philly fan there. So who knows if there's going to be backlash in that regard. But needless to say, the Mets will go to Philadelphia for four. And the Phillies, let's see what they'll be able to do as they try to not only put themselves in good stead in the wild card, but let's see if they could make any type of push for division as the Mets and Phillies will meet up for the last time this year. As far as the division races and the wild card goes, it's pretty much the AL Central and NL Central where we have the Guardians still holding the slimmest of leads in the division. They're actually tied with the Twins in the loss column, but they do have a game advantage and the White Sox are two back. That's what we have there. I'll go over the schedule for the weekend in a minute. The NL Central has the Cardinals extending their lead a little bit over the Brewers. Now it's three games in the division. So the Cardinals, let's see if they continue to win at this clip because the Brewers have pretty much been in first place throughout the course of this year. And now with their recent seven-game stretch going back about five or six days ago, and now the Cardinals are looking to see if they can even push their lead further. And with the Brewers closing out a series against the Dodgers in Milwaukee as of today, where the Dodgers have won two of the first three games of that series. So that could bode well for the Cardinals as they could gain another game in the standings if the Dodgers were to prevail. So we have that there as far as the divisions. We know that the AL East, AL West, NL West are formalities. And then when we look at the wildcard standings, pretty much the same. Not really much to discuss there where we have Seattle, Tampa and Toronto all separated by a game and a half. Seattle, they're currently tied. All three teams, when you think about it, are tied in the loss. But the Mariners have 65 wins. Tampa and Toronto both have 62. So there are, what, three games in hand that the Rays and Jays have over the Mariners. So that's something to keep an eye out for as we get deeper into the stretch. Twins are a game back. Orioles a game and a half back. White Sox 2, Red Sox 3 back as they've been playing the Pirates and are trying to inch closer into this wild card. They do have a lot of teams to leapfrog there, but we still have to throw them in the mix as far as the AL wild card goes. And then in the National League, we know the Braves are going to be well there with the four seed. Phillies, a half a game ahead of the Padres, two in the loss. And then you have the Brewers, who are two back, tied in the loss with San Diego, But they have four games in hand with the Padres. So that's something to keep in mind. And then the Giants, who have actually played a little bit better here, are now five and a half back of the last spot held by the Padres. And that's pretty much what you have in the wild card in both AL and NL. 
And as we take a look at the schedule for the weekend, the one series that jumps out, a rematch of last year's World Series as the Astros will go into Atlanta to play three games against the Braves. So that's going to be an interesting barometer for both teams because Houston, they've pretty much been playing out from in front for the last couple of months. And even though that they got swept by Oakland a couple of weeks back, but here will be an interesting test to see if there could be any rekindling of these two teams that they may face one another in October again. Chances are they probably won't have a rematch. But if you want to throw that out there for late August with the playoffs just six weeks away, that's something that you could hang your hat on there with both of those teams. Besides that, you really don't have much. I know I talked Toronto and the Yankees more so for the wild card in reference to the Blue Jays. Same for the Mets and Phillies when it comes to Philadelphia. Besides that, You do have the White Sox going into Cleveland, and that's big too because even though not much is to be expected out of the AL Central as far as any one of those teams coming out of that division making a long October run, but at least for right this moment, White Sox-Guardians are a matchup that we'll have to keep an eye on to see where, how that all takes place, and when we reconvene on Monday, how that series will play out. Besides that, you're not going to look at Boston and Baltimore, I mean, I guess you have to, but that's not a series that is going to raise the antenna to where you're going to have to watch or follow pitch by pitch unless you live in Baltimore or Boston, but yes, I guess we could keep an eye on that, and besides that, I got nothing else for you, that's pretty much it, unless you want to say Washington at San Diego, we saw the homecoming of Juan Soto last week, but now his former team We'll head out west to play the Padres. So if you want to look at that as a series to see how he does against his former mates, then so be it. Besides that, you did have one firing as Chris Woodward, the Texas Rangers manager, was ousted considering how much they underachieved this year with the free agent imports of Marcus Simeon as well as Corey Seager. But as we all know, the team has no pitching. And if you have no pitching, you're not going to do well. So... The manager walks the plank and I don't even know who the interim is. And in fact, they also fired John Daniels, their GM who had been a part of that organization for 17 years. And if you recall Met fans, him being a local product here, I believe just right in Flushing, where the Mets were trying to poach him once upon a time prior to Steve Cohen being the owner and the Rangers brass, they shut that down. They wanted no part of the Mets even going near John Daniels, well, now it's too little too late. Daniels is out of a job. I'm sure maybe Steve Cohen could bring him in to be part of the staff. I get that that could maybe be a thing where the current GM, Billy Epler, may have to look over his shoulder, but why not? The guy was part of two World Series back-to-back teams in the early 2010s. He's from this area. If you bring him in to be an assistant, maybe not GM, but just a part of the staff, I'm sure that would help more than would hurt unless maybe they'll look at that in the offseason because the Mets obviously have bigger plans than trying to fortify their front office so something to just keep in mind there but as I take off my cleats and put on the shoulder pads and helmet to get to the NFL I'm going to say this I mentioned this on my TikTok feed as well and the only reason why I plug TikTok is because I put up these videos throughout the course of a day I try to put up three or four just to keep some engagement with those who do follow me. And if you want to follow me there, please. The J Reels podcast on TikTok. But the never-ending story of Aaron Rodgers, it's just nauseating, exhausting, and quite frankly, I just don't want to hear about it. These sports debate programs, and you know which ones I'm talking about, how they just beat Aaron Rodgers into our consciousness until we're unconscious. And I get it that he's a former MVP or really the reigning MVP and has been MVP to league, what, four times? And we know what type of quarterback he is. We know that he's a Hall of Famer. We know he's an all-time great, etc. But this story that's come out here in the last couple of days about him griping about his young receiving core, whether it's dropping passes and exhibition games in San Francisco or during practice, running bad routes, running wrong routes, 
being untimely when it comes to their route running. And for him to put that out there to the point where, oh my God, the world has to revolve around what Aaron Rodgers is saying. Please, if this was week five and the Packers were one and four, all right, I can understand that. Week one in the preseason? You're just reaching for a story. And I'm just tired about how these TV shows just rally around this as if this is top news. Are we serious? It's bad enough that NFL gets all the shine. And the reason why I say bad is because it's almost as if it's the NFL and nothing else. And people know I love the NFL. And we know that it is the most popular sport in the country. And understandably and rightfully so, a lot of it revolves around it being one game a week, the gambling aspect, the fantasy aspect, all of it. Because if it wasn't for that, it would still be a popular sport, but not popular amongst the casual fan, let alone the diehard. But as I've said a million times, and not to go off on a tangent, at gunpoint, I won't play fantasy football. If you don't know my reasons why, maybe I'll bring it up when we get closer to the start of the NFL season. But with that being said, to have these same storylines over and over, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, stories about Michael Thomas being a top 10 wide receiver in the league after being injured the last two years, who the hell cares? I don't care if they put him in the top three. Does it really matter at the end of the day? And I understand they're grasping for straws for storylines, and it's a debate show. I get it. But please, for this sports fan, I'm sure a lot of other sports fans out there, they could care less. They'd rather talk about Michael Thomas popping a shoestring while he's tying his cleats in a locker room than Fernando Tatis sitting out for 80 games because of a suspension due to PED use. That's what it's come to when it comes to the sports news cycle here in 2022. And I've had it with that. That's why this story with Aaron Rodgers is a non-story to me. And it's the only reason why I bring it up. Because when have you heard on this podcast over the last five or six weeks about me talking about Aaron Rodgers? Whether it's like, oh, he's an MVP player. He needs to win a Super Bowl to cement his legacy. Oh, let's see what the Packers are going to do this year. No, no, no. I'm not buying into that. Sorry. This is not the show and I am not the person to just take out the hammer and beat the Aaron Rodgers nail into everybody's head. Not doing it. I bring it up now only because for the sake of all these other outlets that are doing it and I'm just tired of it. Like I mentioned, if this happened in the first couple weeks of the season or if it was in the middle of the season, fine. Even then it'll be tiresome. Even then it'll be like, oh boy, here we go again. But okay, Packers aren't playing well. Wide receivers are dropping the ball, running bad routes. Rodgers has more interceptions so far this year than he's had in the past five years combined. Okay, I get it. We're going to talk about this on... August 18th, please find another story to write or another topic to discuss. Not this. Unbelievable. Derwin James is now the highest paid safety in the NFL. He just signed a four-year extension, $76.4 million. Talented player. I love his style of play. He's pretty much that hybrid safety linebacker type of player where you could pretty much utilize him anywhere. Now, this past year, he was healthy and good for him, but we all know throughout his young NFL career, he has been out with knee and foot injuries to make you wonder whether or not he's going to live up to that contract. And I'm sure the Charger fan knows about that. The six that are out there, my guy Zeke Duarte is one of them. But for James to stay healthy, he's going to be a key component on that defense. As we all know that they have Joey Bosa. They also bring in Khalil Mack. That defense is planning to do some damage this year in an AFC West where you would think the quarterback, Justin Herbert, can now take the next step. So we'll see how James and company will perform here in this upcoming season. Other than that, nothing else to discuss as far as the NFL goes. When it comes to college, the Crimson Tide, no shocker, for the ninth time, are your preseason number one in the sport. Follow that by Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame would round out your top five. And here's the sad part. When we get to the college football season, which will start two weeks from today, because it will lead into the Labor Day weekend. But sadly, 
if I were to have a college football preview, we all know which teams are going to be involved when it comes to the college football playoff. I wish I could go fully in-depth on some of these other teams that could possibly be a Cinderella when we get to late November into December. But we all know that the Cincinnati's of the world are going to get squashed by the teams in the Big Ten and obviously the SEC. And especially with what we've seen here over the last year, we'll say, but even more so over the last few months where we have USC and UCLA going to be a part of the Big Ten as of 2024. And then Oklahoma and Texas are going to be part of the SEC the year after that. So there's still some time between now and then before we have these, let's just face it, Super 2 conferences because the Power 5 is going to be gone as we know it. And for these schools that are going to be prominent and we all know that the smaller school or the little engine that could that can maybe make a run to a college football playoff is going to be gone by the wayside. And when that preview comes, it's going to be literally five minutes of who's going to make it to the Final Four or pretty much who's going to be the one team not to make it to the Final Four. That's probably going to be the bigger question when it comes to a college football preview by yours truly in a couple weeks. So not a lot of excitement there, not a lot of drama when it comes to what the 2022 college football season could possibly be. Just throwing it out there before you guys are rubbing your hands like that to see what Jay Reels is going to have in store when it comes to a college football preview. Now from the shoulder pads and helmet to the high tops as I will now dance along the hardwood when it comes to the NBA. And the schedule was released yesterday. The Christmas Day schedule was released a couple days prior to that. I'll start with Christmas Day, then I'll go to opening night. And I'm not going to break down the entire schedule, people. But Christmas Day is the one day that the NBA fan is going to look at. And even the diehard sports fan, maybe the casual to a certain extent because, oh, what's going to be on TV that day? Well, your five games are the following. Philadelphia at the Garden playing the Knicks. High noon, which is usually the first game. The Garden always kicks off the quintuplet when it comes to the NBA. And you have the second game being the Lakers going into Dallas to play the Mavericks. That's at 2.30. Your 5 o'clock game is Milwaukee at Boston. And then leading into primetime, you have Memphis going to Golden State at 8 o'clock. And then your 10.30 game is Denver at Phoenix. No, excuse me. It's the other way around. Phoenix at Denver is your capper from your high noon to about 1 in the morning, 13 hours of wall-to-wall NBA on that day. So while you're opening gifts, while you're stirring up the eggnog and planning your Christmas dinner for people to come over to unwrap gifts and celebrate that day. There is your NBA Christmas Day schedule that you could sink your teeth into. But wait, there's a problem with this. Is anybody going to watch? And before people can say, Jay Reels, of course people are going to watch. It's the NBA, it's Christmas, synonymous. People are going to watch. You got LeBron that's going to be in full bloom there, going up against Luka. You have a rematch of the... Eastern Conference semifinals with Giannis going up against Tatum with the Bucks and Celtics. Same deal with Memphis and the Golden State Warriors, John Morant, Steph Curry, the reigning champs. And then you have another setup where you have the reigning two-time MVP going up against Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and the Phoenix Suns. Why wouldn't anybody watch that? Sadly, for the NBA and their fans... There are not one, not two, but three NFL games on that day. If you forgot, you have Green Bay at Miami at 1 o'clock. You have Denver at the Rams at 420. And then the nightcap at 820, you have Tampa Bay at Arizona. So think about this. As I mentioned way back when, check the receipts. You have Miami, Los Angeles, and Arizona as your backdrop for those living in the Midwest or in the Northeast where most of the country is going to be cold. So when you gather the folks around the television set and you're drinking your hot cocoa and you're having your apple or pumpkin pie and you're hoping to maybe watch some snow flurries in Green Bay or maybe some cold weather in Pittsburgh or maybe a blizzard 
that's in Soldier Field where the Bears may be playing. Uh Uh-uh. You have Miami, which will probably be 80 and sunny. You have the Rams, which is played in a semi-dome out at SoFi. And then you have a full dome in Arizona. Yes, you could open the roof. But a full dome in Arizona, so you're going to have no Christmas feel on Christmas Day in the NFL. But it is the NFL, it is the Shield, it is impenetrable, and it is bulletproof to the point where the NBA ratings will be dwarfed to the NFL rating on Christmas Day. You could have Houston at Jacksonville in primetime. And I bet you will do better than Memphis and Golden State. And the NFL does not care about the NBA in any way, shape, or form. Because you could have the 96 Bulls going up against the 2017 Warriors in primetime. And that still wouldn't do better than any NFL game that could be put on over-the-air TV. Then you had Giannis Antetokounmpo, speaking of the Bucks, where he was interviewed by a Fox affiliate in Chicago about potentially playing for the Bulls down the road. Now, why that was brought up is beyond me. But Giannis did come out and was pretty candid, discussing the team's history, winning the multiple titles. Obviously, we know MJ, his years, his legacy, etc. And he did say that it was a no-brainer how everybody would love to play for Chicago, which that's news to me because if that was the case, I'm sure a lot of players would have looked at Chicago as a destination to want to extend the Bull legacy of the 90s. And I'm sure there are a lot of players that don't want to go there, A, because it's just bitter cold there in the winter, and nobody wants to try to fill the shoes of Michael Jordan. And we're talking about 25 years ago. So this isn't anything that had happened recently with Jordan to where he just recently retired, and then the next great superstar that goes there, all the focal point and focus will be on that player to be the savior of the organization considering that they have not won a title since 1998 but for whatever the reason Giannis feels as if Chicago is a destination for a lot of the players in the NBA that would want to flock to all right so be it but he also did say that you never know about the possibility of playing in Chicago sometime after his contract is up and even though he did say that I'm with the Bucks, I'm not with the Bulls but who knows, maybe one day I play for Chicago. Now you know the Bucks in their right frame of mind, even though he has four more years with the $220 million contract that he signed before last year. And there is no way that the Bucks are going to let him go, especially if he's playing at a top level. If he continues to be the former MVP that he is, two-time MVP at that, and of course, finals MVP, NBA champion, etc. You would think that once you get to the last two years of that contract, they're going to extend them at that point. Because there is no way they're going to let that man walk out the door. Similar, granted it was a different time to where Kareem Abdul-Jabbar left the Bucks there in the mid-70s to go to Los Angeles. So they know damn well if they have any idea the ownership of the Bucks has a pulse of their franchise and its history they will bolt the doors before they let Giannis even think about walking out. Considering that, yes, he still has quite a few years on his current deal, but you know that barring a major injury or barring just a precipitous decline in production, there is no way that number 34 is going to be playing in another uniform. So that's all I got to say about that. Speaking of signings, LeBron James gets an extension... The Lakers give him two years, $97 million. I'm actually a little surprised, and I may be one of the very few who feels this way, only because he's going into the final year of his contract. We understand the Lakers are a brand. If they let LeBron go, I'm sure the fan base will let him have it. They will just flood the phone lines to complain, to bitch and moan about why you didn't resign. LeBron James to an extension and I thought that maybe they would play this year out and maybe have some private talks throughout the course of the year to maybe want to bring him back at first I looked at this as more of a parting gift 
for LeBron James, I'm not going to say similar to what the Lakers did years ago with Kobe Bryant, because if you remember, they gave him that two-year, $48 million extension where Kobe was on his last legs, let's be honest, and the Lakers weren't any good, where this Laker team, although they still have the talent, but we saw what they did last year, and injuries, I understand, played a part of that, especially with Anthony Davis, but they severely underachieved, and now they're hoping for a little bit of a rebirth here with Davis fully healthy, with LeBron focused for year 20, and Russell Westbrook, you would think, would be just as determined as ever. But even with all that being said, I thought that, to me, surprised that they gave him that extension because maybe they would just have it to where they could talk about that next year. His production may not decline as much. We know LeBron is a freak of nature. And again, can't compare this situation to Kobe, although I did think about that at first. But I feel as if LeBron was going to hold the cards after this year to maybe pivot to go back to Cleveland considering that they're an up-and-coming team. I understand his run-ins with Dan Gilbert over the years, but maybe a third go-around in Cleveland would be the capper to his career. And who knows, maybe he could even coerce Dan Gilbert into bringing Bronny Jr., who's been throughout social media dunking on people recently, and maybe Gilbert would take a chance on bringing in LeBron's son to be a part of that father-son duo that we've never seen in the history of this league. Who knows? Maybe Jeannie Buss will even do that now. If Bronny would have to wait a year before he's able to be eligible to be drafted or maybe signed as a free agent. Who knows? But again, I was a little bit surprised by that extension only because I thought that maybe the Lakers would wait considering that they've had a very good relationship since he's been in L.A., And I know that there's unfinished business there with LeBron, despite the fact that they won a championship two years ago. But remember, no parade, not a lot of fanfare because it was in the bubble. And I would think that the Lakers would want to be able to have an opportunity to make a postseason run in April, May, and June and maybe get a chance to play in an NBA final to win a title and then celebrate at that point to where they could really go in on another championship, this time with fans, with all the pomp and circumstance. So LeBron is going to be back at it in a Lake uniform for the next, not just this year, but two years down the road. And then lastly, you had Pete Carrill, the former Princeton coach who was the architect of that Princeton offense. A lot of that pick and roll, backdoor cuts of the basket for layups. He was the guy that almost pulled off the biggest upset in college basketball Tournament history, if you remember back in 89, the number one Georgetown Hoyas, and I remember it well, Alonzo Mourning getting the block there late in a 50-49 to victory against Princeton, and that would have been just a tremendous upset, especially at that time. Obviously, we had Virginia lose in a 116 game just a few years ago before they won their national championship, but also being an assistant on the Sacramento Kings as early as, I believe, 2011. I believe it was 10 years ago to where he was on the sidelines there at the age of 82. He passed away a few days ago at the age of 92. A great basketball life that he led and I'm sure left an imprint not only on the college game but also in the pro game with a lot of people, a lot of players, coaches, executives, etc. So thoughts, prayers, and condolences go out to the Kirill family. Again, dying at the age of 92. And then one last thing as I break out the golf clubs... With everything that's been going on with the Live Golf Tour and all of these transitions, we'll call it, and as we've seen time after time, who knows about Cam Smith? He was one guy that I talked about last week that all the rumors had him going to the Live Golf League. We know he's the number two player in the world coming off of the victory at St. Andrews in the Open. And a player that if the PGA were to lose would be a blow... Because when you ever have a top-ranked golfer, especially ranked in the top three, let alone top 10, top 20, that's going to be a hit for the PGA Tour. So what happened a couple of nights ago, Tiger Woods had this meeting at a hotel in Wilmington, Delaware, to where I believe he flew up from Florida with Ricky Fowler and got 20 to 25 players in a room to pretty much discuss not only what's going on with a lot of these players leaving to go play in the Live Golf Tournament, but more so 
to keep the integrity of the PGA Tour, to pretty much delve into why you guys are part of this tour. Why did you sign up to be a golfer in the first place? It wasn't to potentially have this league being formed to where you're going to get paid millions upon millions of dollars and have the opportunity to play on golf courses that you never played before with no history, etc. And when Tiger speaks, people are going to listen. And I get it that he had people that have been part of his circle for quite some time. We know about Ricky Fowler. Obviously, Justin Thomas, who is a very close friend. Rory McIlroy, we know he's going to break out the Tiger pom-poms at every turn. And we get it. Totally understand. Tiger, even though now he's not only in the back nine, he's probably at the 16th going on the 17th hole of his career. Because who knows if we're going to see anything close to what we saw, even going back to the 2019 Masters win, even that Tiger Woods we may not even see again. But we know that his voice is going to resonate and people are going to perk up and listen. So when you have Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, the aforementioned golfers in a room, you know that they're going to perk up and they're going to listen to what he's going to have to say here. Based on everything that I mentioned, the players before them, the Bobby Joneses, the Sam Sneeds, the Jack Nicholases, the Arnold Palmers, Ben Hogan. This is what he's presenting to these guys. And not only just the aforementioned players who paved the way for these guys, but the golf courses. Do I even need to get into the Masters at Augusta? Torrey Pines? Pebble Beach, Oakmont, St. Andrews, Carnoosky, out here in Long Island, I can't think of Bethpage Black. You have all these courses where you're not going to be able to play on these, most likely, unless there's going to be a merge, and that's a story for another time, if the Live Golf Tour and the PGA do happen to merge, which we may be heading toward. But as of right this second, this is why Tiger brought everybody in the room. Now, it's interesting because one of those players is Cameron Young. And Young is also rumored to be going to the Live Golf League at some point here. Who knows? In the coming days, weeks, months? I have no clue. But pretty much what this talk was going to be about, not only everything that I mentioned, but more so to the golfer that is going to get in the ear of the golfer that's thinking about jumping ship to where they're either going to contemplate making that move or they're going to already have a foregone conclusion that they've already made that move to try to bring them back or to just listen to what Tiger had to say whether they're on the fence or not. And who knows? Does this sink into Cameron Young to think that, eh, you know what, maybe I should bypass this because playing against This field of competition, these venues, and yes, the money will come as long as I play well, and endorsements and things of that nature, that yes, $100 million may look and sound sexy, but what about the history of the sport and having some integrity? And that's not to say that whatever these golfers want to do, if they want to go ahead and play in the Live Golf League to make a zillion dollars, then God bless them. It is a free country. You want to do that? That's fine. But like I talked about a couple weeks ago, if you're going to offer me $20 million to go to Boise, Idaho, but the only thing I could talk about is badminton, volleyball, and track and field, and no offense to those sports, but if I can't talk baseball, basketball, football, hockey, golf, tennis, then why bother? Why sell out for the money if I can't talk about those things, but I got to talk about, all right, well, today I have Joe Schmo going up against John Doe, in the state title for a badminton competition. Sorry, that does not tickle my fancy. And $20 million is not going to mask what it is that I truly want to do is talk what I've been talking about for the last four plus years on this podcast. So we'll see how that meeting, especially with Cameron Young, him being a part of that, whether or not he does go, it'll be fascinating interesting to see if that does take place in the days and weeks to come. And I think it was good. Overall, based on what I read, a lot of people thought 
close to the vest. They weren't going to divulge what was said in that meeting, but based on some of the reports, it was just a great meeting of the minds and it was phenomenal to hear what Tiger had to say and everybody was pretty much in sync with their thoughts and their feelings about playing on this tour, the pride that they have, and let's see if that's going to stick with the people. You would think a majority, if not all the people in the room, but if this was their rah-rah moment to keep the PGA alive, then obviously this is a good thing for them. And that'll do it. Another episode in the books. As always, people, thank you so much for stopping by, passing by, to hear me spew or hear me praise on what is happening in the world of sports. Your participation, by all means, is not taken for granted. And speaking of which, if you haven't done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. Throw me a few stars, write a review. I greatly appreciate it. Just trying to increase the visibility of this podcast and getting the word out there and trying to take this to another level. Trying to close out this 2022. We still have a few months, not trying to rush time, but I want to go not only into 2023, but to blaze this trail out of 2022 into 2023 on a whole different level when it comes to this podcast. And again, by you subscribing, rating, reviewing, is going to go a long way in doing that. So please do so. I would gratefully appreciate it. If you want to hit me up on any of my social media accounts with a question, comment, suggestion, whatever, you could do so at the following TikTok, the J Reels Podcast, Instagram, J Reels, all the J Reels Podcast, Twitter, J Reels, one just a number, Facebook, the J Reels Podcast fan page, or the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. Hit me up. I'll be more than happy to follow up with you guys and gals. And then lastly, to contribute to this endeavor, you could go to www.patreon.com slash the J Reels Podcast. P is in Paul, A, T is in Tom, R, E, O, N is in Nancy. Whatever you want to contribute, whatever you want to put forth, this is a platform that I'm trying to gain some more traction. I know I haven't exposed it as much as I should, but eventually, once I start getting some people to contribute and participate, there will be exclusive content just for those subscribers there. Whether it comes to merchandise, whether it comes to the podcast itself, whether it comes to yours truly, whether it comes to certain directions that the podcast may go, you will have a first look as to the world of this podcast and beyond. So whatever you want to put forth, I would sincerely and be forever indebted for your contribution because whether you do or do not know, this is why I love to talk about people. It's in the blood, it's in the DNA. That's the only way that Jay Reels is here because if you can't hear the fire, passion, know-how, and anything and everything that comes through this microphone to your earbuds and speakers, then either A, I must be doing something wrong, or B, if you can't hear it, then I had to speak louder because whether it's thoughts, opinions, analysis, critique, praise, whatever it may be, on the world of the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it, from my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels Podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx to South Beach to South Central to South Pacific and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby.